The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Mick Lavelle from Rittle University College, just round the corner, is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from moss, bamboos, roses and camellias, We'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. Plus, Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's start this week with Plant of the Week, which is Camellia. Do you know they're from the same family as tea and, uh, in fact, they're to be found from uh, east of the Himalayas all the way to Japan. There's uh, possibly, you know, described varieties between 10 and 300. There's a lot of discussion on, you know, how many there really are. Okay, they're an evergreen. You know that, I'm sure. They can grow, believe it or not, if they're planted in the right place and in the wild, they can grow up to 20 metres high. That's not what we're looking for in our own garden. And plenty in our garden, of course, are some of the smaller varieties. There are many types of flowers a single double peony anemone and even rose but um, possibly the most popular one that we see around a lot is camellia japonica and that can flower just before christmas and go right through till may the flowers vary from white pink through to red there are some yellow ones Oh, and I forgot to say that in the middle of these flowers, they've got these lovely yellow stamens, thick yellow stamens. And talking of yellow, there are some yellow flower ones, and they come from China and Vietnam. They're better, really, on a good acid soil. They do not like chalk at all. They need to be kept moist. You can prune them. You prune them after flowering, and they'll grow on as much as you can. So you can control the height and size. And... um, dappled shade and definitely no morning sun for a camellia because as the flowers open particularly in frosty weather there's frost on them the sun will burn them off and they'll go brown and horrible and drop off talking of ones that i've seen there's a lovely single camellia in the cathedral that's the chelmsford cathedral garden and that's been flowering since before christmas and i tell you what is still flowering today out of interest it's a state flower of Alabama in the USA. I don't know why they chose camellia. Perhaps they grow well there. Anyway, camellias, grow them in containers with an acid compost, grow them in the garden. I tell you what, they're worth growing. They're enjoyable. They give green all year and they give gorgeous flowers, as I said, from Christmas onwards. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, 
Mick Lavelle and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Linda in Hadley. Hello. Yes, I've got two quick questions, actually. Um, last year, I bought a little clematis. It's only now it's about 10 inches tall. Mm -hmm. But it's growing lovely. But I put it in a larger pot, a little bit larger pot. I've got it out by the front door to keep it sheltered. Is it all right to plant it out now? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. this time of the year is... For deciduous things, I mean, we say it's clematis. Is it still got its leaves on it, or is it um, just it twigs at the moment? It was, it was, I mean, it's only ten inches now. Yeah, oh. yeah, but did, did it keep its leaves all winter, or did they drop off? No, I think they dropped off. No, that's right. Well, yeah. you, you need to get it into the ground as soon as possible, ideally, because um, they, they like to be planted in the winter. The yeah, trick right, with clematis when you're planting. It's a misstatement. Miss, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so yeah. that worked, but just what you do with them, get them into the ground. The trick with clematis, roots in the shade, shoots in the sun. Yes, lovely. And, and planted, plant, is, hang on, just planted uh, a little bit deeper than it possibly is in the pot as yeah. well, will help it. Yes, because of, well, because of, um, it can wilt. Um, yes, yeah. well, it'll help. It yeah. helps yeah. them. Yeah, but, but was, you like the roots cool is the thing, yeah. they're a woodland plant. What was your other question, Linda? Uh, no, it's about um, McKenna lilies. Um, I've, I've just started watering them. Mm -hmm. Can I feed them as well or not yet? Uh, with, with cannas, no, you just start them into growth again. Wait till they start yeah. to really put up a vigorous shoot before you feed them. At the um, moment, well, when you say you've overwintered them, you've overwintered them in pots or are they just uh, yes, roots? They're, yes, they're in a pot, in the hole, actually. <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, what you can do now as well, you can actually um, take them out of the pot and divide them as well because they do get... Uh, what you find is you might think, oh, I only had about three or four shoots of it last year. You might have eight or nine this year. And you can soon start cracking pots and things like that. So yeah. it's not a bad idea to get them out uh, with, with the compost reasonably dry before you water them too much. And right. you can just cut through them. As long as you've got a um, section of root with a, a strong bud on it, you'll get a, a good new plant this year. I've got two nice shoots on it. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what, uh, when you go down under the, if you take it out and knock, knock the soil off, you might find you've got more than that. There are. There's uh, Linda from Hadley. We go to Margaret from Walton on the Nays. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Ken. Um, I've got some Helleborus. Yes. Um, they're, they're new plants, and I'm going away on holiday in a couple of days' time. I've received today 18 plug plants. Um, what on earth am I going to do to help right. them live while I'm away? Now, hang on, hang on. Is this... You said you've received some hellebores. Are the hellebores as plug plants, or are the hellebores different? They're plug plants. So you've got 24 hellebores as plug plants, yeah? Uh, hang on, I've got 24 hellebores that I received before, um, which I've planted into plant pots. That's all right, yep. Um, and I've, because some of them were sick and not very well and, and dying, um, they have now sent me another 18 Hellebores to replace the four sick and dying ones I had. That's very, very good. Now, I'm, I'm very impressed to think that companies are doing that because mm. we always advise people to complain if things aren't right. Mm -hmm. You need to tell us who they are. No. So uh, you're going away and you really are worrying what to do with these other 18. Is that right? Or are you worried about what to do with them all? I'm worrying about what to do with them all. Quite Where honest. have you... Right. 
It'd be best if they're plugs. You've got to pot them up. You can't yeah, you can, you can't say the plug. Those plugs are sent out at the point they're ready to be potted up. That's the, the whole sort of thing that the supplier does. So any hanging around, not potting them up, will result in them suffering. But you could take a five or six inch pot and you could plant three in each pot, couldn't you? That you way you've do, only yeah. got to do six six pots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, really, the, the the issue is they have to go into a pot, and then over and above that. Are they better outdoors in a protected area? Better outdoors, a bit of shelter, uh, so, so a foot of a, a wall or something like that. So they're not going to, you know, not anywhere it's going to get too cold or anything like that. But um, just to stop the compost from drying out, because if you, how long are you going away for, did you say? Three weeks. Three Ooh, weeks. Oh, through you mean, Easter when it's going to. Yeah, you need to, maybe need to cold. get someone just to sort of pop round and maybe give them a water if they need it, if it doesn't yeah. rain. Is that possible, Margaret? No, it isn't. Right, so, okay, you've got to put it somewhere shady. Um, Plug Plug? sort of northwest facing and yep. it's got hedging all the way along. Well, that's about the best you can do, so it doesn't mm. get sun, too much sun. And with the ones, if you put three in a pot, that'll be hold moisture much better than it yeah, would it if will, it's a yeah, small pot. Yeah. Is that all right? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Do, do your best, Margaret. Let us know how you get on, and I hope you enjoy your holiday. Where are you going? Anywhere nice? South Africa. <laughs> oh, oh, well, oh. <laughs> so see the, see the flowers of South Africa, are you? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> talk, talk to you when you come back, and we'll give you a bit more advice about those hellebores when you get back. And we're going to Amy of uh, Shenfield. Is that right, Amy? Amy. Right. How are you, and what are we up to? Right. I've got three um, three shrubs. One is the Spirea oh, Magic Carpet, and I've got eight of them because I just love them, but I have never pruned them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering. And, of course, it's, I think it should be done early spring, but we had the snow, and I, I couldn't get out there. No, I mean, um, Spirea is one of those things where if you uh, cut them back hard, you'll lose the um, the flower. Yes. Uh, it's preferable usually to thin the older stem um, shoots right. out of them. Right. So, so, so unless, unless you really want to reduce the, si- the height of it, the size of the dimension, uh, the best thing is to go thin. You'll, you'll just recognise the older shoots because the bark sort they're, of shaggier and thick uh, and, and yeah. dark brown. Yeah. Right. I mean, Amy what, Amy, what you can do on that one is you can go through it. What Something I do, which is the simplest, is if you choose about, say, a third of those oldish stems and cut those yeah. hard down, yeah. they'll right. reshoot. And then next year you do another third, and yeah. that way you control the size of the plant. I mean, they're all a lovely size now, but I'm looking at them, and they've got that lovely pink glow because the leaves... Yes, just mm-hmm. on... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's gorgeous, out. isn't it? And it's such a lovely shrub. So, uh, right, that was that one. And the other one was... I don't know how to pronounce this. Is uh, My sister-in-law used to call it Vigela. W-E-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-I-G-E-L-
they all grow. Same with, yeah. with the other Same crops. And try and distribute that evenly through the whole thing. So you don't, don't do... Not what, one I, side. <laughs> I did have a group of students many years ago. I said, prune out a third of the, um, the old growth. And what they, uh, they meant, they, they just took a third going across from one side on each shrub. Never said anything like it in my life. So, so you just take out the oldest growth and try and take them out evenly. So you've got about a third, no more than a third. And you'll still retain some flowers next year. And remember that when it's finished flowering this year... You can yeah. cut back the growth then, which will encourage new yes, growth, yeah. which will then flower oh, next year. So that's when I should do it. So yes. Awesome. Straight, no, no, straight after yeah, flowering, about, about which July, is summer, yeah. summertime. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right, that's that. And I've just got one other problem. Go on, go for it, Amy. A, a house plant, I think it's a variegated fig. Yeah, yeah. Has it got a small leaf? Small I mean, leaf? since we moved in here over Yeah, years probably ago. a ficus benjamina. Little small leaves on it. Small leaves, uh, yeah. pale green edged with white. Yeah, yep. Benjamin, Benjamin the starlight. Yeah. Yeah. I had a shock. I went down to the dining room the other day, and there was leaves all over the yep. table. Yeah, it's had, a bit, of a, it's had a bit of a shock. If you, move them, if you move them, if you move them, they'll. Hang on. If you move them, they'll drop a third of the leaves. This is what, well, I used to work as an interior landscaper, and every time we move one, we knew that we were going to drop a third of the leaves. So it's about extra maintenance calls in to make sure that we could just deal with it, because people get very shocked with this. And if you've had a cold night or something like that, if it drops below about um, 8 degrees centigrade in the room, uh, even just overnight, it will drop leaves after that. Don't worry, for them dropping leaves isn't a disaster, they'll grow new ones. Well, <laughs> what I did, I moved it out into the back porch, and it's not been dropping any more leaves. Well, it's probably dropped them all, they might drop some more yet. To. If you next don't time you move, move them it, about, don't yeah. move them about. They yeah. don't like being moved. Next time you move it, it'll drop more they're leaves. In the one pot all the time, mm. and that's it. I've, I've put some fresh compost around it. Mm. Yep, that's the thing to do. But they just don't like moving, so don't keep moving it, and don't overwater them because that'll also encourage mm. leaf drop. When they've got less leaf, they can take in less water. Um, let's um, quickly go to. Jean in Langdon Hills. Hello, Jean. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Hello, um, I've got a privet hedge, and underneath all the leaves, it's brown spots all over it, and the leaves are falling off. Sometimes privet will drop at this time of year mm. again uh, yeah. because it's producing new leaf, should be coming. Yeah. Is there new growth? Yes, yes. Yeah, and is it just underneath, or is it right through the leaf? Um, underneath. So mm. it could be a rust or something, couldn't it? It's a bit yeah, much, I rust, mean, I think the thing it? is, it's probably just the old... The, the privet is not um, 100% sort of evergreen. It's, it's only what we call semi-evergreen, and in a really hard winter, it would drop leaves. What I imagine's happened, without seeing, it's very difficult to say, but my um, first inclination is to say that it's just got too cold for it over the last month. Mm. So the leaves are now dropping off because they've been damaged, but the new buds will come through. It's stone-hardy in terms of its overall hardiness, but the leaves don't always survive through a winter. Give it a feed. Okay, give it a good give feed it a, and mulch it. Feed and mulch it, and that will be fine. Okay? Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Mick, what's your first one? Well, it's for all the fruit growers out there, all looking forward to those uh, days in the summer when you can pick those nice ripe fruits sweetened <laughs> on the tree. 
It's going to get cold again, and it's a good idea to protect the blossoms because the trees don't prognosticate. They don't know it's going to get cold. And, in fact, they've been hinted that it's summer because we've had a few warm days, well, haven't we? This, this cold and warm, it, it stimulates flowering. And, of course, the, uh, the real danger is that the, uh, the flowers open up and they get a bit of frost on them, even if it's just in the morning, and it can damage the flower to the extent that the fruit then will not set. So it's a good idea to get some fleece over the tree, um, grab a few um, metres of it and just, uh, just put it over loosely. It doesn't have to be tied on or anything. A couple of bricks to hold it down at the edges away from the wind. Um, if you've got frames and shelters to put over them, put over them just to make sure they don't get damaged. So what we're talking about there is the early flowering, which is apricots, peaches, nectarine, Absolutely, yeah. and some of the plums, isn't it? Indeed, and cherries. Yeah, yeah. They're the most susceptible. Having said that, it's a good thing to take on board for April, Eden, as well. They are talking about more cold spells, and even, even apple blossom can get damaged, but it's hardier, but it can still get damaged. So they are. There's, uh, there's your first hint. So you, I, I was going to say it's a little bit gloomy. Have we got something a bit more cheerful well, if you're looking forward to <laughs> if you're looking forward to the summer, another good uh, plan would be to um, to sow hardy annuals. Uh, oh, hard, yeah. hardy annuals that are much uh, forgotten about. A uh, group of plants they are ever so easy. Just sow them. You can put them in drills. Or you can just broadcast them. Mix them with a little bit of um, dry sand. So a little bit. Traditionally, it was silver sand, but any sand which is dry, mix them in with it so you can just scatter them evenly. Straight the onto the ground. Straight onto the ground. Just make a seed bed. Just uh, put them on there and thin them out as you need to. Now, the seed bed, you say a seed bed, but that just means getting it a bit fine. Now, if I'm honest, um, at the moment, we've had some dry, warm weather. Mm. You can get a seed bed in quite good condition, can't yeah, you? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, this, this frost hasn't been disastrous in a way because it, it means that a lot of soils, particularly if you've got a clay content in them, will, will break down quite nicely. And, I mean, we run it to what we call a good tilth, so it just means that just means it runs in between the tines of the rake and just get it nice and level, tamp it down, Sow the seed straight on, they don't bother trying to cover it. You can just scratch it in a bit with a rake or something like that. What sort of plants are we talking about there that people well, can I mean, go the, for? Well, the very popular ones these days, things like the California poppies, but things like nigella. Gadicia tends to have um, got, gone a little bit less popular. But any I of still these, like it, though. Yeah. It's a good and one. And, of course, poppies. There's all the, sort yeah. of the Shirley poppies and these sorts of things, which are really, really uh, quite popular to, uh, to, to sow for flower later on during the summer. Nice if and you, easy. If you do sow annuals, though, be prepared for the fact that they don't all come up. Some of them will come up next year. Now, that's not a disaster in the sense you'll have enough plants this year, but you'll also get some next year so if you're only planning them for one year be prepared to weed them out next year and if you let them seed they will carry on there forever but not necessarily to the same extent and the same display now, but things, you could add into them couldn't you yeah, each exactly. year well, things like california poppy i mm. like to, to to let self seed because it just comes up wherever it will and you can thin it out the, the trick is to make sure you recognize the seedlings early pull them out and have them where you want them but the they, they are that sort of little forgotten element in the garden that everyone thinks, oh, I wish I'd sown those around about June, July. So they are. Get on with that. Thank you, Mick. We'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. I promised to go back to uh, Lawrence, wasn't it, from Brightlingsea. Hello, Lawrence. Good morning. Morning. What you got? What you got for us today, Lawrence? Oh, I'm having a nightmare with my lawn. Um, we, it was an old garden that had a big compost heap on it. The soil was very good, two foot down, good quality soil. We took everything out and levered it all off, and seeded it. Um, there's no trees around the garden that blocking the sun or anything else like that. But it's about a hundred foot, as I say, by forty foot wide. 
Right. The first, the first two years was fine. Um, but uh, I cut the grass Thursday and I said to the wife, the moss is back again with vengeance. It's covering half the garden. And I treated it last year with an appropriate uh, treatment. But uh, it's just come back again. You know, what can I do? Mm. Well, the I thing is, something mo- wrong? Moss is, the moss is growing because of a reason. So you, uh, killing the moss... Um, you're not going to make moss extinct, if you know what I mean. You might make it extinct in that patch, but it soon returns again from anywhere else where moss is growing. And uh, so it, what we'd say is if, you, if you're removing a moss, if you're just putting down a moss killer, it's palliative. It, it'll remove the problem then, but you haven't yeah. removed the cause of the problem. Now, right. it's difficult to, from what you said, now you said you've got um, an old compost uh, heap on it. The soil's probably very rich in organic matter, which might yeah. be that it's getting wet. During the winter, if your lawn tends right. to get wet, you will get... Moss. Moss, well, moss comes for a variety of reasons. You know, when, so. when you trod on the lawn in the winter, you know, when we've had a lot of rain, is it spongy yep. and wet? Yes, it is, yes. Yeah. Yep. So the, the trick That's now, it's growing, from, from your it? point of view, it's not shade, we can discount that one. The other thing sometimes is, is um, if it's very acid or very alkaline, or you can do a soil test to check that, but, but what you're saying, it sounds like it's wet, is the problem. Yeah, and the only way yeah. to really deal with that is drainage. But no, it's a new lawn. Yeah. Now, you can either... You put in drainage in. You have to dig the lawn up, put drainage in, put it underneath. Not, most people don't do that now. The best thing to do would be to spike it and to, uh, yeah. to top dress it. You know, remove, remove the moss, scarify it, and spike it and top yeah, dress it. Yeah, but remember that you need to... There's two things you've got to remember. Is if you... I don't know what you treated it with last year. Um, if it's one of the ferrous pro- products, it will kill the moss, but then the moss needs removing. There mm. are a couple of other organic methods. There's one called Mobacter mm. that actually kills the moss, but the moss... You don't have to remove it. It overfeeds the moss, so it actually grows out of mm. itself and feeds the lawn at the same time. So that's another method. There's two methods. But remember, if you kill it with a proprietary chemical-based mm. one, you do have to remove it before yeah. you doing, yeah. do any work on well, if it. If you've got a lot of it, you end up with a nice black-looking lawn if you yeah. kill it. <laughs> so I think yeah. you're back to getting rid of that moss first, then doing what Mick suggests. Yeah. If you top-dress it, it will, it will improve the... Um, the Drainage right at the surface, and that's with a, a lawn dressing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so like a sandy, you can get Surrey loam is the, is the thing that they use. It's expensive, it's but that's loam the, the top and sand, yeah. loam and sand mixed together. Yeah, that will help. It's what some sand, sorry, loam, which is like a, a soil which has got sand, silt, and clay in it. So it's it's a good quality soil, but it drains reasonably freely. But if you, but okay. it's so 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 if I treat if I get rid of the moss, treat the moss to kill it, then. then then remove it and then put this... Um, then, no, you need to tine it as well. Try and tine it. Try and punch holes in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. If, you, if you don't fancy doing it with a... With, there's um, a machine. A, with a, a fork, you've just got a machine which you can you can hire. Go to a higher centre, yeah. you'll be able to hire one for the day. It yeah. shouldn't cost you too many notes to do that. And um, you should be able to uh, do that. Easy. The size of one you're talking about, you should do it in a, within a couple of hours. Lawrence, good luck with your lawn there. And we go to Christine in Tiptree. Don't forget, you can give us a call as well on 0300 200 4041. Christine, what have you got for us? Hello, yes. I have a standard rose tree which I moved from one side of the garden to the other because it wasn't getting a lot of uh, sun. I do love um, sun. <laughs> it, it seemed to do all right. Um, it, when I peeled back the bark, it was still green. Uh, this year, it's, um, I'm getting little sort of sprouts coming down the bottom of the tree, but nothing at the top. Lots of little sprouts coming. So what do I do? Um, unless it's actually shooting from above the point where, it jo- where the, the standard 
rose, the union at the top of the stem, unless it shoots above that, there is absolutely no point in doing anything because what the, the rootstock and the, uh, the interstitial uh, graft, which have been put in there, are actually of no real value in the garden. Right, so I might as well chuck it then. Well, well if it does, on, have, it, wait and see if it shoots from the top. You, give it another couple of weeks. As I say, yeah, but make because take what, the shoots off. Yeah, take the shoots off down below. But you okay. really want it has to shoot. You'll see there's like a, a knobbly looking uh, lump on the top of the stem, which is what we call a graft union. Right, and it always yeah. makes a bit of large lump on the top, which is where all your stems come from. If it's growing from that, not just below it, but actually from that. That's your um, cultivar, which is going to be the standard rose, going to give you all your enjoyment. If it isn't, if it doesn't grow from there, and like Ken said, it's always worth, you know, really, you can leave it for about another month, and if nothing yeah. comes then, then's the time to dig it out and decide what you're going to put with that opportunity you have to plant something new. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very okay. much. That's great news. Thank you. All right, no problem. As a pleasure. That's Christine in Tiptree. We've got Dee in Southend and Barbara from Southend as well. Um, and we're, t- we're talking hedges with Judith from uh, St. Lawrence as well. Uh, St. Lawrence Bay, that is. So give us a call now on 0300 200 4041 and we'll be answering your gardening question here on the BBC Essex Gardening phone-in. Uh, let's now go to Dee in Southend. Hello, Dee. Oh, hello. Good morning. I have um, a wisteria on a, about a six or seven foot high fence uh-huh. and um, I'm wondering if it's any harm to cut back all the straggly bits now while I can see it because... Obviously, when the leaves grow, you can't see where it's all going. It's going into next door and on all over the place. So, D is it should any have, harm to cut it back D now? D, you should have done it already, but it won't yeah, do any no. harm it, it, at it, all. The, the two-time Saprona wisteria is about August, September, when yep. it starts to produce all these straggly stems. I mean, I know it's over, I'll tell you what we should have done, but just for, for reference. So you cut those back, and you shorten them back to about six to eight buds. Mm-hmm. And then um, in February, usually, traditionally it's February, because especially if we get an early spring, which we haven't had this year, you shorten them back to two to three buds, those same ones. And they'll okay. see some of those uh, buds have quite become quite thick, big. Aren't they? Yeah, and they're the ones that will flower. Okay, so that's how you can keep a nice tight flower in it. So, so if you cut it back now, anything which is wispy and thin, take it back to about three buds away from the main stems. And you can also, if you've got lots and lots of growth, you can thin it this time of the year as well, because you've yeah. got to sort of, about two or three years to really get the, the framework back with a. Uh, wisteria yeah, just by those two times of the year yeah i'd like to cut some of the thicker ones back as well because where it's got cut out of control yeah but just pretty back to the framework the you want now yeah yes, you, can. you won't hurt it at all you won't get as much okay. flower as the only sort of um trade-off but you'll get the, yeah. the extent of the plant where you want it which is actually long-term more important and as yeah. the new okay. growth comes from the the big stems that you've cut um, try this time to think, right, it's producing a stem there, I'll train it where I Absolutely. want it to be. Yeah. And we yeah. don't do that. We just let climbers grow and they think, oh yeah. dear, look, it's all in the wrong place. I'm not being rude, but that's what we do. Yeah. We all do it. Yeah. Well, Wisteria is a, is a great servant in the garden, but a poor master. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then give it a good um, feed. Is it, give okay? It a good... is it okay to just let it be on the fence? Or is, is that should I have a some sort of frame against the fence? If the fence is strong enough, grow it yeah, on the fence. Nothing is. wrong with that. Great. All right, lovely. Thank you for your help. OK, Dee, that's Dee in Southend who's given us a call. And we go to Barbara, who's obviously just down the road because she's in Southend, aren't you, Barbara? <laughs> and we're yes, both, we are. Both... It's quite a similar question, actually. Well, it is, um, isn't it? I've acquired a, um, in September, and I've, this is going to be terrible because I can't say it, a Tractosospermum, whatever, Jasminoides. Tractosospermum. Jasminoides. Yes. It's a twining climber, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well over six foot tall when we bought it. Um, it's 
still in the pot. It hasn't done anything. It's stapled to a cane in the centre of of this uh, uh, jasmine, and it hasn't done a thing. I, so I need help. I don't hang know. On. What, when you say it hasn't on. done a thing, has it, has it still got leaves on it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. right so hang on. Is it green? In... It's lush green. It's everything's okay, right. but it hasn't done anything. Hang on. Is it in the pot that you yes. bought it in? Yes. So why haven't you planted it or put it in another pot? I mean, what size pot's it in and how big is it? Uh, it's in the pot that I, I bought it. And when I bought it, I said, what do I do? He said, just leave it as it is and it, it will it will sort of spread itself out. Come on but then, how how high is it? How high was it, it planted? It's about six foot, seven foot. And what size pot? Um, I'd say about 14 inch. Mm. It's not big enough, is it? No, no. I mean... Well, the thing with Trachyla sperm, it's, it's one of these things, it's a bit borderline hardiness, but if you get it into good sunlight, is the, the trick really, and plant it into the, into the ground, it will survive better than in a pot. Right. I mean, can, you, can you plant it in the ground anywhere? Yes, right. I really bought it to hide some light, your last uh, uh, caller, to hide some ugly fencing. I've planted it in the ground. If, it, if it's south facing or even west facing, you, you get into the ground, yeah, and just put some um, wires uh, up on, on the fence or something, to just for it to, it's a twiner, that one. Uh, and that will uh, allow it to, to get uh, purchased onto it, or some netting, you know, some sort of the plastic netting, the thick plastic netting, and it will soon cover that up. But you really oh, need to get it into the ground. I would so plant. That, that's where it's stapled, do I, or where it's all big? Un- unattach it from the cane. Oh, Once you've right. got into the ground, get into the ground, plant it, then take all the ties off, take the cane out, make sure you've got your wire or your net onto ah, the fence, and then right. tie it just for the first instance, just tie it on. Even just these little twist ties, you know, the sort of kitchen bag twist ties just loosely on there to hold it onto there. I would okay. hang fire until after all this cold at Easter, just because it might get a bit of a, a shock into the cold Middle ground. to end of April will yeah. be fine. Yeah, and then right. you That's should lovely. expect lots of growth on it this coming year. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you. Pleasure. And uh, <clears throat> don't forget, you can give us a call on 0300 200 40 41. It's as simple as that. Um, and it's interesting that she wasn't... I don't think she got very good advice from that garden centre or nursery that she got um, to. It can be variable, I think. That, um, it can but be variable. It, if you, if, if uh, anyone out there needs more training, of course, they can always come and see us at Ritley University College where you'll get excellent advice. <laughs> <laughs> I like it indeed. There he got his plug in for the college as well. <laughs> Jean in West Mersey, what would you like to know about your peach tree? I bought this little peach tree a couple of years ago and it has it's only about four foot high now. But it has actually produced peaches each year. It's mm-hmm. really lovely. But it still looks spindly. Mm. But one of the bottom branches is very low and I'm worried will it touch the ground when the peaches come it'll touch the ground. Should I chop that? Spindle off, do you think? Um, no, I mean, we, no. we say you've got it growing. Is it growing in a pot? No, it's in the garden. It's in the garden, in the ground, yeah. Um, you can always just put a cane in at an angle. Right. Um, so it's nice and firm in there. And just tie it loosely onto the cane. Oh, lovely. And that'll help um, support the weight of any extra um, uh, uh, fruit on there. And if you get that many fruit, you can put them in a punnet and bring, send them up to us, because we love peaches. Indeed, especially tree-ripened. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what should I feed, or should I feed it? Uh, this time of the year, I mean, just uh, just mm. a general purpose feed on the ground, you know, uh, uh, something fork like it in the surface. Yeah, fish blood and bone, hoof grow and horn, a grow more, anything like that, and just fork, lightly fork it into the surface and give it a light mulch as well. Brilliant. But has it started to show flower yet? 
Um, there's lots of buds on it, yes. Watch the flower. If the flowers open at all or just start to open and we have harsh weather, it could destroy the crop. Yeah. Therefore, get some horticultural fleece yeah. and use that as a blanket over it. Just lay it yeah. over the tree if all we right. get cold weather. If you get, if you get in, go into any garden centre, you'll see... Uh, I'll probably sell out of it this weekend after I said this, but go in there. You can get it in packets where it's all... Rather than a roll, whole roll, you can just get packets Packet of it, get several metres of it, it'll be plenty for you. OK. But, yeah, can I ask you another question, actually? Yeah, go on, oh, yeah, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> I found you at the end of last year because I wanted to grow some agapanthers. Yep. You told me to put them all closely together and blah, blah, blah. I did everything you said. And when I'm looking at the pot now, there's absolutely no sign. I've, I've taken all the dead leaves off earlier, but there's no sign of anything popping through. Is it a bit too early yet, do you think? It's, 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 it's been be very cold, morning. yeah. I mean, it depends, really, agapanthus tend to um, either leave the leaves or, or they die right way back down. So um, get it in a nice sunny spot and leave it till about April to see what uh, mid-April. I'm going to move on to Anne from Billericay. Hello, Anne. Hi, Ken. Uh, Ken, I've got three um, red robins yeah. in the garden. Um, they're not that old because we've only been in the house about six, seven years, but two look really healthy. But one, which was lovely last year, is really, really sparse. Right. I've got some new little bits coming on it, but it is really kind of straggly. Now, when you say it's straggly and sparse, does this mean that, is it in a different, right? Firstly, is it in a different position from the other ones? No, the other one's about eight foot to the right of it so it's not you know facing a different way the sun comes out so i'm looking front to money okay. yeah no they're both there's two on the same side of the garden and one's one, just not know, as just, happy yeah that one looks happy it's you know this one i mean it's got like the specks on the leaves a lot even right, on the nice it's got, leaves. okay yeah, it's that's, got, what, that's what i was going to get to it's, it's got fertinious spot yeah. it'll drop some leaf which you mm. need to clean don't you, you need to yeah. take those away because they're actually infected and don't compost them in your own garden put them in the bin Put them in the bin now, which yeah. we can do here. And yeah, you're oh. saying it's got new growth coming? Yeah, there's the, you know, the red bits, like little, yeah. um, I don't think I'm just walking up towards yeah. it, but, um, like little uh, flowery things on them. On the and end. you could prune it. Yeah. You could. I, prune, I mean, it's quite big. It's about, as I'm standing here, I mean, I'm five foot three, and it's a good to... You can, you can, this time of the year, you can hammer Do it them now, back. because yeah. it will still produce, when the new growth comes, it will still produce lovely red growth. So yeah. you can prune it hard now, and it will still produce that lovely yeah. red. So that would be all right if we really... Yeah, because you're not back. growing I mean, it for the flower. have got a load of those little mm. red, um, flowery-type things coming on it. But, but, but they're, 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 just, they're new leaves. The don't Fertini, worry. The Fertinia flower, really flower is a white flower. No, it's not really grown for that. It's, it's nice grown enough, it's but, but it's really for the leaf. So if you cut it back hard, it'll still produce those. If, it's strag if a, a, reg a straggly Fertinia red robin is worth pruning. Nobody really prunes them, but they should... It's much better to prune them than not. And then give them a good feed. We've gone on about feeding... Every time you do something, feed it. Look after it. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Mick have got some more tips. So what have you got for us this time, Mick? Um, well, this time of the year is the time when you, with all the houseplants which have been languishing on windowsills and looking a little bit pallid and sorry mm. for themselves, actually start to show as they want to come back into growth again. You see that odd new leaf on the ficus. More the, light. Yeah, and it's, this is it. It's the light goes up yep. and the plant's suddenly getting what it wants. And um, the, the temperature fluctuation tends to be less uh, severe this time of the year as well. So they, they really start to get what they want. 
Good idea then to, if you want to get them ready for the uh, following year, start watering them a bit more now as they start to grow, we'll need it. You can also um, divide them, repot them, uh, top dress the pots, you know, feed them. All of these things will be useful in getting them off to a really good start because April really is the month, you know, the month coming along now where the plants really start to get back into growth again. If we've got flowering house plants, is it worth using something with a bit more potash like a tomato food? Or I would you so. think I mean, at this it, time it's worth just getting them growing? It depends really on the type of plants. Some plants flower early. If you, I mean, the trick is rather than give a list of all these ones need potassium, yeah. all these ones nitrogen. If it's producing leaf at the moment, it needs nitrogen to make sure the leaves are big and healthy. If you start to see flower bud on it at all, if you know the plant and you recognise the flower bud's coming on it, give it a whack of tomato food. And you can actually put, you can actually intersperse it, you can still give some plants some nitrogen sort of and give every other feed of, mm. um, of the high potash one just to really give those flowers a, a, a good start in life. Now, I tell you what, I've even found in conservatories you can find a bit of slug damage yeah. this time of year. <laughs> and, of course, those naughty snails appear as well, don't they? Well, yeah, that's the difference. Uh, slugs um, don't hibernate. They tend to stay active whenever the conditions allow during the winter, where snails just go off, have a good old rest for the winter. But they come out now. And if you imagine if you'd been asleep for about four months, you'd be hungry. Yeah. They are. And they're after your plants. And what's amazing is how, you, you know, you think, oh, I've got a conservatory, but suddenly you see a slug on a house plant, and you think, well, where the dickens does he come from? But they do, don't they? They come indoors, can't yeah, they? Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll go quite a way to look for food, and um, they're, they're quite sensitive to it. So the thing with slugs, they often start off on decaying material. I mean, a good trick in a conservatory... Conservatories tend to be easy That's a to greenhouse. Do this, but in a greenhouse, a good tip is really to make sure you don't leave any decaying matter lying around. That could even be dry leaves and things like that. So as soon as you start watering in the spring, um, they are a magnet to slugs, which will then move on to live material if they run short of that or if the numbers go up. Mm. So, and outside, if we're sowing crops, protected crops, some of those winter... Uh, lettuces and stuff like that that you've started off you've definitely got to watch out for them so oh, absolutely, yeah. plenty of slug pellets out there there's mm. some that are less friendly than others there's plenty of organic methods that you mm -hmm. can use for slugs today and if you've got if you're using tubs the copper bands work quite well around the tubs don't they they, they, they are good yeah i mean the thing you need to watch as well is the fact that some slugs actually come up through the insides of the pots they do, big pots. so you've got to have a, uh, the ideal thing is to have a pot raised yeah i won't stop it completely but um you could also put um geotex line the pots with um geotex and that styles, stops them which, coming which up will stop them coming up through there but um there's you have to accept that vigilance is the real uh, best tool in your armoury because for all the preventative measures, some of them always slip through. They're just like that. They're very cunning. <laughs> they are indeed. Slugs are cunning, <laughs> and so are snails. Anyway, thank you, Mick, and let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Uh, let's now go down to Colchester to talking... Well, we were talking peaches just now, and we're talking apricots with Phil, aren't we? Oh, yes. Morning, Ken. Hi. Um, I brought an apricot, uh, Prunus Coyote, or K-I-O-T-O. Coyote. Coyote, yeah. 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 And I saw, is it on a St Julian A rootstock? It may well be. Could yeah. well, could well <laughs> be. We don't know, but yes, no, it could well that's be. That's what it's got on the label. Good, mm, yep. yep. And it says bush. Well, this is like... I don't know, six foots. Um, all I was wondering, can I keep it in a container? Right. <clears throat> can you keep it in a container? Yeah. What size container have you got it in, well, is the I've question. I've got 12 litre. 
12 litre. Mm, not that big. That's not it's that big. A, yeah. um, I think apricots, I mean, I love apricot trees. I think they're a super tree because they're easy to grow. They don't get too much infection and they mm. do produce a reasonable crop. My biggest problem with apricots is that actually they haven't cr- there's not a dwarfing stock particular dwarfing stock for an apricot so they actually grow quite a large-ish tree they yeah, well, in the catalogue what i was reading about and that said like 10 15 foot spread exactly yeah. they are um yeah. it will reduce the growth if you keep it in a container but i think it needs something at least a couple of feet two feet by two feet or even bigger yeah, doesn't yeah, it yeah 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 all those ones see because i've on the nose day at the moment, I'm taking them out and I'll put them back in the potting shed cause, so they don't get leaf curl or anything like that, or do they? They don't get much leaf curl no, at all, I mean, do the, they? No, the, the issue with them, with, with the cold, with apricots, really, is with the, uh, the Flower, blossom. Isn't it? Yeah, if, they, if you can protect the blossom from frost, you're, you're okay. So really, growing them, a lot of them are trained against a south-facing fence or wall. Yeah. Traditionally, they put covers over them, which are open at the sides, so that the bees, if they're active in the morning, can get in there. And it yeah. prevents. Uh, t- I mean, you can close the sides off as well if you need to. But uh, that it also helps the fruit ripen. If you grow them as um, as an open tree, you'll find that the, the fruit ripens better on one side than the the other. But moving in and out of a shed can be. It's, n- it's not necessarily the best way. No. Right. no. You'd be better to think to yourself. Well, if it's going to be minus two or three. Yeah, yes. Cut some fleece over. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the um, thing is, you need to go in a bigger pot. Sort of smallish in the ground, you know, I don't want it massive, but. They'll grow bigger in the ground than they will in a container because you're restricting the. You can prune them, yeah, you prune them during the summer after fruiting. Yeah, 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 that's what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We expect a basket of apricots from you. Is that all right, Phil? Yep. No worries. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed. Bye. Bye-bye there. You're listening to BBC Essex. It's the gardening hour. You can call us here on 0300 200 4041. That's 0300 200 40 Talking to Jack in just a moment. But a reminder that this programme is on a podcast for anybody else that's just tuned in. They can listen on the podcast. Take it wherever you go. And there's also extra tips in there and a plant of the week. So you can listen out for some extra material in that podcast. And that'll be up by a couple of hours after the programme. We now go to Jack, but don't forget, after Jack, we have a line free on 0300 200 4041. Give us a call now. That's 0300 200 4041. Text me, 81333, put Essex on the front. Let's talk to Jack in Tiptree. Hello, Jack. Morning. Morning, Morning. Ken. Uh, Ken, I've got a bit of a problem in the greenhouse. Now, this time of the year, I normally go in and start preparing for summer tomatoes and this sort of thing. Now, the problem that I've had since I planted this year's crop, or last year's crop, rather, is a weed coming through. It looks very much like clover. Has it got a purplish... Yes, exactly. Oxalis. Yes, yellow oxalis. It is a... Oxalis, I think, is one of the biggest nightmares that possibly container growers have and garden centres have because mm. so often you buy a plant and there's a touch of... I mean, I'm running down garden centres here, which I shouldn't be, but a lot of it have got oxalis in it, haven't they, sometimes? Mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very common weed, which is... Very uh, difficult yeah. to get rid of as well because it's got this, um, like, sheen on its leaf. 
Yeah. Therefore, yeah, weed killers won't get rid of it. I mean, hand work is possibly best in a greenhouse. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was pulling pulling them out all through the season. Hmm. I'm just wondering now, with your advice, would it be better to say dig away the top three or four inches, or and and just refill the greenhouse with compost? A good one. Um, well, if, if you're going to use a compost, you'd need to use uh, a John Innes type because all the organic compost will, um, will will just break down reasonably quickly, especially in the glass house. Uh, uh, you'd would... be better with the John Innes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's one method. I hate using weed killers, but you could use a glyphosate-based wipe. You mm-hmm. can buy them with wipes that you yeah. wipe onto the leaf. Uh, but that's going to take you a long time. It might be better with your idea of removing. I mean, in the old days, that's what people did. Mm. Every couple of years, they would dig out their greenhouses of soil, remove it, mm. and the, your problem is if you remove it and leave it somewhere in the garden, that oxalis will spread. Right. So really remove it, then dump it. <laughs> if you can. Right. Yeah, when you say dump it, can we just say you have to dump it in an approved place to an dump it? An approved place, <laughs> yes. Not in, the, not, in, not in the roads anywhere. In the not... next door's garden. No, no, no. I couldn't possibly does, condone that. Does that help you at all? That does indeed. Hmm. So really, if I dig down, how yep. far would I have to dig down to make sure I've got all the roots? Inch. About seven, eight inches, do you reckon? Possibly, yeah. Depends, yeah, it seven, depends on inches. the depth of the soil and go around. Yeah. But yeah, seven, eight inches? Yeah, I'm thinking of doing that. They're replacing it from other soil in the garden. Mm-hmm. You could do that and then add, yeah. add stuff add to it. Add some organic matter yep. to it, yeah. yeah. And oh, as then. it appears, get a wipe, and if there's any left, wipe yes. the leaf straight away. Okay? Right. That's Jack and Tip Tree with Oxalis, which is a real... Well, it is a real problem, isn't it? It's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? We go to... I just wanted to actually... Judy from St Lawrence Bay would like to remind gardeners to be careful when they're preparing their gardens this spring. Watch out for nesting birds in hedges and thickets. Have they started yet? They have. I've noticed um, um, there's, there's a bit it of is movement, a bit of a, isn't it? It's there? sort of I don't think they started nesting and raising chicks yet. They're um, getting so, friendly with each uh, other. Well, I've noticed uh, the pigeons were particularly. Indeed, yes. Well, well they, they, they nest all year round. They pigeons, do, don't yeah. they? But the, uh, certainly I was up at Kew Gardens on um, uh, Thursday and an ex-student of ours was they're cutting back the holly hedges and they're starting early because they want to avoid nesting birds there. So, I mean, it's, it's still early enough to do it yet. Okay, we go back to the phones, 0300 200 4041, that's the number to call. John in Chelmsford. John, what would you like to talk about? Uh, good morning. I have a camellia in the garden, it's about seven foot tall, full of bud, a yep. um, nice pink, deep pink. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the snow has pushed it over and split the trunk at a junction. Ah, you see. Do you know the trouble, John? If you've been listening to the podcast or us here on BBC Asset, we've been saying, knock the snow off, go out and knock yeah. the snow. But, of course, it's no good having that advice after it's happened, is it, John? <laughs> so how, how much is it split? I mean, this is... this well, is quite badly, really. It's about six, inch, about six inches long, possibly see through it, about half inch wide. That's quite no, deep, quite, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what I sometimes, I don't know whether you'd agree, Mick, is sometimes you can cut the weight off that branch and then pull it back up and bandage it in, and sometimes mm. it will regrow, but that Simply, sounds uh, deep, yeah. doesn't it? Even at that, you're still going to have a, 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 a weak point and um, a potential rot right into the, the bod. You say, where is it split exactly on the stem? Is it is it right is down that, at the... It's go- about three foot from the bottom, and it's on a junction on a branch... If, so if you cut that branch off, is it going to be very one-sided? It would be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, 
the, the, my my approach to this would be, and Ken, Ken knows, I'm quite sort of keen on uh, getting the old secretaries and loppers out. And I think with I things. would actually get would, rid of it. I would I actually cut the thing down to that sort of level and hope it shoot from below. If no, it was, would do that if it's cut down quite short, would it? Yeah, but you'll lose some flour in it for a couple of years, but it will come back. You can be quite harsh on comedians, and they will come back, but um, right. they, they, they do look awful first off. You yeah, know. it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, big. it's been there for about 15 years. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just one year I didn't go out there, and it's happened, but there you go. <laughs> well, do you know, there's no point in recriminations, you know. No, You've got to look no, at the garden as a series of opportunities, sometimes which come out of disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the only way to view it. <laughs> okay then. Okay, many thanks. And no, let no us problem. and come back to us and let us know how it shoots. And because you oh, know we're always I'll interested in hearing it. Help it helps other people in their gardens when they're doing similar sort of things. Let's go now to John from Basildon. Hello, John. Hello, uh, Ken. Um, yeah, I've got some bamboo in pots. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're quite large pots, probably twenty liters, I suppose, and they're quite full now. I wonder if I could. Uh, like split them in half and put them in other pots, or just, just I... yeah, you could do right, it now, yeah. couldn't you? Now, when you come to split them in half, the trick with the bamboo, knock it out of the pot. You probably find it's quite hard to drag out of there because they um, they yeah. root very hard round to the sides of the pot. Yeah, when you take it out, you then reduce the amount of top growth by about fifty percent. So was every other shoot, so keep some nice healthy shoots on there. So go through with secateurs and snip them out, and then when you come to divide it, you get out something called a carpentry saw. <laughs> And you just oh, yeah. and you just cut through it. Cut through it. You'll ne- don't don't anything you've seen about putting two forks back to back Rubbish. does not apply to a bamboo. So you ah. literally get the saw and from the top weave it through the um, a carpentry saw is better than a bow saw because it won't get in the way of anything. Yeah. And then just cut through, just steadily cut through um, all the way on there. And when you've got that, if you if you want two, you divide it in half. If you want four, divide those others into to two. Oh, and put them in, in a nice uh, nice growing compost, water them, yeah, water them uh, feed them, and they'll soon start to fill in that gap. And I've got to cut, reduce the, the height, because it's, it's about... No, 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 not, no not the no. height, uh, the density. Density. So, oh, so, so you reduce, you, you take out every other stem. Oh, I see, yeah. Okay. And um, that'll encourage them to shoot from the base. Oh, I see. Um, oh, that's, I've got another little question. Um, I've, I'm going to do a, a, a nice greenhouse, and uh, I don't know where... I'll put the base down. Well, I haven't put it down yet, but should I concrete a, a complete base or leave a, a bit for, like, the soil? Depends what you want to do. Depends what yeah. you want to do. It, you, there's no reason to have soil in a greenhouse. Sometimes it causes more problems. Yeah. If you, like if you've the got, gentleman we just spoke yeah, to. You can, you can put grow bags down on the ground, and they'll do yeah. the job for, for things like tomatoes, etc. And then you just... You, you, Chuck them on the uh, compost on the uh, the soil on, on the garden afterwards. So, so concrete, but commercially we always use um, concrete bases. But you don't have to. But it's up to you. If you do, no. try and get it to drain from the middle and drain out the glass house. All oh, right, I see. to a yeah. fall. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you very much. Joy from Colchester. Hello, Joy. Oh, hello there. Um, last autumn we took some cuttings from a rose and we insert them in the soil. We tried it before, but failed. But this time they've um, showing signs of growing they've got the side shoots mm-hmm. now what do i um i've looked in all books and they say you oh, should leave them in position for a year at least that's right before you move them but i just want to try if i can move them sooner or put them in pots or what do i do cut them down a bit further you, or you, what? You, you quite honestly you're better off leaving them where they are and letting them get a good root system on them it's yeah. got roots like, so you've got, you got a lot of shoot and still relatively little root. And the root's um, not particularly firmly attached as yet. Onto, that's why you leave hardwood cuttings in place. Because then those roots grow and really attach well onto the stem, and then you can lift them in the autumn. Okay? Lift them in the autumn, but yeah. 
Well, well the, the, the next November or something like that. Or... Don't worry about no. that now. Just let them do what they need to do. You can always start dealing with them next uh, next, next winter. Okay. Next time. Okay, fine, lovely. Thanks very much. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, text and email shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Mick has for us this week. Well, this time of the year, of course, as I said before with the houseplants, everything's starting to come into growth, and this applies equally outside. Bear in mind, if you've got things like trees and shrubs, even deciduous hedges, things that don't appear to be making much growth at the moment... It's all going on underground. It is, Answers isn't it? in the soil. soil it's rambling. acid <laughs> rumpo. It wasn't beyond our chem. And um, essentially what you need to do is you need to make sure that you get the food down there before the plant really needs it. The best sort of food to put on there is something like a slow release. One I would suggest, something like hoof and horn or fish blood and bone. Uh, you can use um, uh, the, the, the compound mixes, yep. uh, things like grow more type things. Um, whatever you do, get it on there now because it will take a little while. This breaks down under bacterial action and releases the um, the food the plant needs, the, the uh, mineral elements, slowly. So you need to get it on ahead of the growth, really. And just put it on according to the... It was basically a slack handful for about a square yard or a square yeah, metre. that would work, we'll do, wouldn't it? Don't bother measuring it out going two directions. Mm. My students will be telling me why I didn't make them do that. But, I mean, essentially, it's making sure you get an even coverage over there. So dust it over the soil. And if you're going to mulch plants, which is also a good idea going into the next month, it needs to go down before the yeah, mulch. And then just lightly hoe or fork it into that just surface. Just scratch it in, yeah, just, uh, any, anything, just to make sure that it's, uh, it's incorporated with the top layer of the soil. And the, the action of rain will then take it down into the... Uh, now, if, you, if you're feeding around the, the base of plants, uh, particularly things with shallow roots, maybe things like rhododendrons, which you are going to mulch over the top, it's a really good idea to make sure that if it doesn't rain within the next... Uh, four to five days after that to, to water it in to make sure it does get into there so it doesn't get a, a really concentrated layer in there. Uh, but all your, your, your shrubs will benefit from a mulching, but they will do even better if you actually uh, get some food down on there first. So they are. That's a good one, isn't it? Um, and have you got one last tip for us? Well, if we stick with shrubs, I mentioned things like rhododendrons. Obviously, that takes us into the realm of evergreen shrubs. It I mean, does, yeah. Of course... If you look in the countryside in the UK, evergreens are a rare commodity, so it's easy to see why they're so valued in gardens. Yet sometimes we buy them and we think, oh, that's a lovely thing, I'll buy it. And we've all been guilty of it, buying that plant and wondering where to put it. You put it in, a couple of years later you think, that's lovely, but it's getting a bit big. It's in the wrong place. Yeah. Now, this time of year, if you're going to move a shrub, if you're going to move something deciduous, it's not the depth of winter. You take them out then. Evergreens need to be moved around about um, now, so April, or you wait until about um, October, November. You wait until uh, the time when they're still in active growth, but not particularly vigorous growth. And it's really important that you do them then. You shouldn't be moving them in the winter. Equally, if you're going to prune them, because that might be another option that you just prune You could do that now as well, that, This time of year is the perfect time to do them, yeah, because and they will fact, start in growth. And in fact, if you think about it, rhododendrons, camellias, they finish flowering through the next month or so, don't they? So Absolutely. Well, very early spring things, like rhododendrons, well, if you actually, I was pointing this out to a group of students of the day, if you actually see the flower bud now, mm. you'll see it's subtended by a little bud, and that's where it grows from, but there are equally little buds down below that. And so what you can do is, as soon as it's finished flowering, as soon as that flower starts to drop off and you've still got the pistol just sticking out there uh, cut it off usually down to about a bud or two below to encourage side growths 
that will have two effects. It will make sure you get a nice bushy outward dome shape on the rhododendron, which is what you want, and it will also uh, make sure you get more flowers. An even distribution of flowers all over the thing, rather than just odd ones on the edge of leaders, which are popping out from the general shape of the plant. And in fact, we find here, you know, on on the phone-in, don't we, that people are very scared of doing camellias and rhododendrons, of pruning them, but actually they, they relish a good prune, don't they? Well, I mean, if, you, if they grow out, and they grow out too big, as some of the ones, say, for instance, at um, Brittle have been allowed to over the mm. years, and they've, they've got just too big. With, with a group of students, I was cutting down a, a very large rhododendron down to a few stumps with some growth on them, because you could see that, that was it wasn't saddle grafted, it was like that growth of the plant and so we, um, we, we we took that down quite hard now we've forfeited a year's flower for that next year it will flower um, to a certain degree and we'll uh, just nip those flowers out straight after the year after we'll have a really good display and a better shape so don't be frightened of um, really getting the, uh, the saw out and the, uh, the loppers out and doing a, a hard job on things but make sure you know the tolerance of the subject first off some things take it some don't but if we do if, if you don't prune judiciously and regularly, you sometimes have to have a sort of a really kind of reg, uh, really kind of big prune on the thing and take it down hard. So there's no, no harming that, but you have to accept that you'll lose flour for a year. But then you'll get all the more in the future. Thank you, Mick, and let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Going back to Mike in Colchester in just a moment, but just wanted to quickly do the emails. You had an email in front of you that's about... Yes, yeah, so I've got one from Vicky. I won't go into all the details, but Vicky, you've got two bird of paradise plants, and you say that the compost has got little uh, flies on the surface and the leaves are going Scarred black around the edges. Scarred fly, and it only exists when the compost is a little bit overwet. You need to keep them a little bit on the drier side, particularly during the, uh, the winter... Uh, spring and autumn periods. So let, let the compost dry out a little in between. Your, your bird of paradise should pick up from there. Linda from Dovercourt has sent us in some pictures of a plant that she can't identify. It's bottle brush plants or candy stem. And it, it, they are a bit of a pain because they do need pruning, don't they? Because if not, in my opinion, they have that seed head and then mm. they grow beyond the seed head. It's, it's a bit of an ugly They seed can become head. a little bit un, uh, ungainly. When would, you see, when would you prune those? Straight then? after flowering. Straight after flowering. So, in fact, you've got to so, wait till so about June, June okay, July yeah, time, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. they are, and then prune it back. You can be quite harsh with them because they'll mm. they'll produce a lot of growth through the summer and then off they go again next next season. That's yep. right. Yep. Uh, let's go back to the phones, and I promised Mike from Colchester we go back to him, didn't I, Mike? Hello, Hello. James. Good morning to you. Yes. Uh, a few years ago, I replaced my small front lawn with Cotswold pebbles. Yes. Lovely grey stones about the size of grapes. Uh, I've now got self-seeding anti-rhinums all over the... Uh, Lovely. Uh, now, what do I do? Do I just leave them and enjoy them or tidy them up and move? Can I move them into pots? That's basically what I'm asking. You, yeah, you, you can. You might be you? able to, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, they, it depends on how deep they've rooted. I mean, the, the, the trick is, if you move anything like that, it's got some top growth, you, you try and make sure that you reduce the, uh, the top growth to make sure, because you're always going to leave some of the roots in the ground. But, yes, you yeah, can try and... Brain there. Say again, sorry? There's a good membrane where the pebbles are sitting on. Yes, yeah, but, but they'll, be the, they'll be above the they'll membrane. Be above, but even so, you'll lose some of the roots when you, when you try to take them out. Um, right. but, I mean, yeah, just you can do, you can take them out, yeah. If not, just leave it as a carpet of um, yeah. anti-rhinum. So it's a feasible exercise. I'm not wasting my time trying to uh, to move. No, you, you, it's to... always worth trying. Don't, don't see it as a waste of time. Just, uh, just uh, see if you can. 
It's never never time wasted. Okay. There's about 15 suddenly decide to come and live in my pebbles. You might have, if we set seed, you'll have more. Yeah, I bet you've got more (laughs) coming up a bit later on, Mike. Just enjoy them and move some and let us know how successful you are, Mike. Okay? Thanks thanks for your time and, and advice. Okay, Mike, that's Mike from Colchester, and we go to Angela from Tolsbury. Hello, Angela. Oh, good morning. Uh, Yes, I want to know if it's too cold to cut my pen stemming down yet. Mm, It's probably just a a touch earlier, I would have said. We're just worried about this Easter, aren't we? Yeah, because you'll simulate growth from the base, which will be um, soft growth. Um, but I mean, the, the trick really is to, to wait. Wait till about mid-April. That'd be fine. They'll, they'll shoot from the base. Okay. The, the, the worst thing that'll happen is they'll flower just a touch later if you cook them back later. Right, thank you. Okay. And I've got an amaryllis. Yep. Um, that uh, is just finishing flowering. Uh huh. And I, I don't know what I should do with it now. Right, you can right. If it's finished flowering, leave the stem on it. It mm. will either produce seed sometimes, or the stem will go yellowy colour. Don't cut it off until it's gone. It's changed colour. Mm. Then cut it off tight into the plant, and then keep watering the plant because you want the nutrients to go back from the leaf at this time of the year. Yeah, feed do it I as well. Yeah. Flowers on all. I just said, no, you leave the flower stem there yeah. until it changes colour. Then you cut it off. I see. Yeah. I just wondered about the dead flowers, that was all. Oh, oh the, the dead flowers. You can just pick, pick off, the, off. Dead, the dead flowers, and leave the, um, the, the flower stems on there. OK. OK. And uh, I wanted to mention the fact it's a very odd one. It's in a glass vase. Yep. Standing on stones. I've seen them like that. Yeah, they do them like that now, yeah. You will need to feed it then because it's standing Mm. on stones. Okay? Yes. Right, with a baby. Just just an ordinary plant food. Ordinary house plant food or plant food. That'll be fine. Um, Lawrence from Brightlingsea. Oh, we'll come back to his moss. We'll go to Maureen first from Leon C. You're talking about camellias, aren't you, Maureen? Yes, thank you, uh, Ken. Um, I've got a white camellia that I've had for about 15 years. It's it's in a very big container. There's no problem with it blooming. gets lots and lots Mm. of buds during the summer um, after flowering. And uh, the trouble is, it looks unsightly because it's all the blooms come out with like a brown, browny orange stain on them. Ah, now you've got morning sun on it. Is the problem there? Is that right? Morning sun. Have you morning? Does it facing east? Or does it get easterly? Uh, no, it's facing west, actually. All oh, right, that's it's normally a problem. It's from with, somewhere. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, normally that's a problem. You'd never plant camellias on an east wall because they'll take the, the hard enough to, but in the morning when the sun comes up where, where you've got frost or very cold weather, it tends to brown. Sometimes the, the whole flowers can get browned off. Yeah. So that's, that's all that is. That's just um, sun getting onto it in the, um, the early part of the day. Oh, so where, where should I stand it, do you think? Well, certainly. If it, which which we're orientated to now is it west facing or? Yeah, it's it's um yes yeah, west facing. Yeah. Oh, um, you've done all the right things by the sound of it. Just might... watch for the morning sun and move it somewhere where yeah. it gets no morning sun at yeah. all. Okay, I'll yeah. try that. All right. Before oh. I go, can I just say that um, I heard you talking to the chap about the uh, bamboos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, splitting them up, and we did that with ours uh, summer before last, exactly as you suggested, with the sawing them in half. Mm-hmm. 
they've taken beautifully. They've come on a treat. We like to try and give out good advice. (laughs) That's definitely a successful way of doing it, yeah. Thank you, Maureen, for your call. They are, and she's okaying our advice as well, which is rather nice as well. You can still... uh, We can fit another call in on 0300 200 41. Let's talk to June in Leon C. Hi. Good morning, Ken. Morning. Um, I'm growing impatience uh, from cuttings. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of them die, usually. (laughs) But um, I've got three. One I've planted on. And two are still in water, but they don't seem to be producing roots. Mm, it could just be a temperature problem. But the yeah. impatience will—I know what you mean. You put them into which which impatience are we talking about? Is this like the, the, uh, one of the big indoor ones? Is it? Um, no, it, well, it goes outdoor. It's a dark green leaf with red veining and a lovely. Oh, like a new uh, guinea impatience. New guinea, type, yeah. new guinea, busy, yeah. Lizzie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean the the, the thing is, it, there's no absolute reason why it isn't rooting. I mean, you just try and see how you get on with it but i mean yeah. it may be that the just the thing needs a little bit more um a bit more light at the moment something like that yeah. it's just still a bit dull there are bubbles coming from around where the root stem is so i think I'm hoping that means life i think patient yeah. patience yeah. don't you yeah 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 patience with your impatience yeah thank you for your call but don't give up yeah no all right Bye. <laughs> We got a note um, on fuchsias. Seems to be hit by the frost. It was flowering in December. Don't panic. It must be a. I imagine it's a hardy It'd one. It'd be a Magellanica type, most likely. Yeah. yeah. So don't worry. Yeah. And then don't cut them back till May. I don't like cutting them back till May. Do you? Mm. Well, I mean, uh, basically, until you see some growth on them. If you cut them back hard, they come from the base. If you if you leave them, they'll come from the, the shoot. So as soon as you see the growth, it's time. I'd okay. And uh, Lawrence from Brightling says, it's about the moss on my lawn, when's the best time to do it? Well, I mean, really, the moss on the lawn is, uh, is like we said before, is a, is a problem where it's you've got to address the problem that's causing the moss to grow. But if it's just about removing it, really, any time from about now on is a good time because the grass will start to grow very quickly, and that's what will help it best. Okay, Lawrence, and we go to uh, Russell, Russy from is that Russell from Colchester? Hello, Russell. Yeah, well, from Tiptree, but I'm in Colchester. We'll go for um, it. What are you talking about, Russell? A pineapple guava. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got it growing on a south-facing wall on the house, yeah. so it gets a good bit of sun, and it's done very well. It's gone to about three, nearly four. It's done well, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I did have flour on it last year, a few. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking about pruning it, trying to get it to go higher, to get reach up onto a trellis. Mm. And I'm wondering when to uh, prune it. Or the, what to feed it? They're a bit, well, so just feed it anyway, and then um, feed it with a, a, a standard sort of um, fertiliser. I say f- uh, fish, blood and bone, hoof and horn, uh, any sort of grow more types. Do that now. Mulch it. Um, just mulch it lightly. It doesn't need to have a great big thick mulch on it. it. They are a little bit slow to grow. They like a really nice warm spot. We're at the edge of the hardness. It used to be called feijoa. It's now called acca, uh, acca celeriana. And they will fruit. I've actually eaten the fruit off the one we got at the, uh, the University College, which uh, used to be outside my office. And inside. It's outside, isn't it? Outside, yes. And it survived all the worst um, weather, but it's on a south-facing wall, a courtyard area. So you really, the trick is to make sure they get plenty of sun and it's, it's nice and sheltered, and that, that will get them to grow. But the, you, with pruning, I would wait till it actually really exceeds its dimensions. You, you're sort of saying pr- get it to prune it to make it reach up, which seems a little bit, to my mind, counterintuitive, because it needs that strength lower down to, 
sort of get it to grow. Yeah. So in, tie uh, the best thing would be to tie loosely onto the stems you want to grow up onto the trellis and inc- encourage it in that direction by tying it onto the trellis. Okay, Russell. Okay, mate. All right. Thanks very much. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Uh, we look forward to some fruits and. Uh, Diane from Chelmsford, last call for the day. What's what's your question, Diane? Hi, good morning. Um, I used to make the mistake of actually slightly pruning back my little apple trees in the uh, autumn until I heard you saying, no, for more fruit you do it in the spring. But they're only small, they only grow up to about six foot because they're grafted onto a different stalk and one's a bramley and the other's an eating apple. But I wanted to know, am I too late to actually prune them back a little bit? If they're not, in theory, if they're not in bud, you could prune yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, you can th- certainly give them a bit of a thin out and um, take out any old dead wood, any damaged wood, you know, but I, I would be uh, light on them by and this time of year. And then prune in summer. Come yeah. back to us, Diane, in summer, and we'll give you advice on how to prune in the summer. Yeah? So that'll sort that one. And Barry, um, Barry has uh, dropped a call in here as well. So, Barry, what's your question very, very quickly? Yeah, I've got a laburnum tree. It's been in about three years and it's put on hardly any growth at all. They, what have you be doing wrong? Uh, uh, they are sometimes difficult to get into they're, growth. They're a bit slow first off. I mean, it's not going to do anything wrong. It's just that the plant needs to uh, time to grow. Don't, don't be too impatient. Don't be too impatient. They are a yeah. steady... Co- Give it a bit of a feed. Feed, feed it and mulch it. It's the theme of the day. Feed them, feed them mulch. How about that, Barry? Feed it with what? Uh, with just a general purpose fertiliser. Fish oh, blood and bone, hoof and horn, um, uh, uh, grow more, anything like that. And if necessary, drive a pole into the ground and drop the feed down to where the roots are. So come away from the tree a couple of feet and put it down there. How about that? Okay. Give it a uh, cup. It's only got two branches at the top, which make about a, like a Y. Yep. Doing any growth? Should I cut those two back? No, no, no. Start cutting it back. Won't you want it to grow, not shrink? No, (laughs) don't do that at all. That's not the wisest thing to do. And just, I know we've run out of time. And yes, it's been a busy program. Uh, But um, just to answer, who was he? Colin, who's gone on about his tomatoes. Don't plant a grafted tomato plant too deep because the graft could rot. Is that right, Mick? Indeed. Yeah. Keep them like where they should be in the uh, in the ground. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.